That's what I'm talking about. Now, you think you know how to worship? Yeah, now you know how to worship, Rob. Bring the energy, bring the joy. Hi, I want to welcome all of you who are new here, whether you're at True Worth, brand new, uh, whether you're in the sanctuary, brand new, you're online. We know we have, every week we have new folks who join us online. Or you showed up here in the art. Uh, you came at a really great time. Uh, you're going to learn a whole lot about us this morning, about who we are, about kind of where we've been, and where we feel like God has taken us. And if you call this your church home, uh, again, a reminder, we're kind of entering an historical time in the life of this church. We really are. And kind of remind us, kind of remind everybody uh, what this is about. We have a short little two-minute video to kind of catch you up or remind you this is where we are and where we're headed. So let's see this. At Pathway Church, our purpose is to glorify God and share the love and grace of Jesus Christ. As part of our family, you know we seek to connect people to people and people to God by worshiping, serving, and growing together. We have experienced firsthand the transforming love of God because of the relentless pursuit of Him from those who came before us. Going forward, our intent is to continue this by bringing resources and support to our congregation and future generations. Despite shifts in lifestyle and family culture, Pathway continues to reach the very generation of people that turned away from the church. We understand the impact of this. We understand many lives would not be the same without the community they find here. God's vision is important, and we want to make sure it stays that way. So we believe it's time to refocus our efforts. To better support our students, we will reclaim the ark as their home and relocate worship services to a new worship and event center. In order to accommodate our growing congregation, we will expand parking capacity and create a space dedicated to equip our staff and servants. In the near future, we will create satellite campuses to serve the homeless, imprisoned, and victimized. We'll develop a plan to expand the children's area and repurpose the space connected to the pastoral care center. All of this is set to assist the goal of reaching one million and one lives in the next 15 years. We choose one million and one because one million is not enough. We want to always be thinking of one more. God's vision is big and our intentions clear. And most importantly, we can't do any of this without the relentless support and encouragement of our church family. Now is the time to align ourselves with this God-sized vision. We need your support, investments, time, talents, gifts, and resources to make these intentions reality. To find out more about what you can do to support your church family during this time, visit pathway.church now. This is a historical week in the life of your church. Uh, we started yesterday at 1 o'clock with a prayer service out here on the lawn. There has been someone praying on that property continuously, even now, ever, ever since. Uh, on the hour, someone stood to the microphone and read scripture over the land, uh, prophesying about what God would do in the future. Uh, when you leave today, I would encourage you, you walk out, that you would linger a little one bit. You could take a prayer walk around. There was someone take you a prayer walk around, but just take a few minutes. Uh, go out and sit in some of the chairs. Uh, get a candle. If you've not gotten a candle, take it home with you this week with your family. But we want to encourage you to just, man, this whole church is bathed in prayer, and the future has been bathed in prayer. And we invite you to be a part of it, whether you're new or you've been here for a very long time. So we're going to hand out Bibles now. We want to grant what we're doing in Scripture. 
Uh, we've been doing a lot of talking about uh, the cost of this whole thing and, and where we're headed. And, but now we need to ground this in the truth of God's Word on this day as we enter into this very critical week in the history and the future legacy of Pathway Church. So 1 Chronicles chapter 29, if you have your own Bibles, go to 1 Chronicles 29. If you'd like a Bible, again, you raise your hand, they'll bring one to you. Uh, if you're new, it's not our way of calling you out, it's just to put the scriptures in your hand. But I'm going to get eventually to 1 Chronicles 29, we're revisiting the story of David, but I'm going to set it up first. I want to set it up before we get there. So we're talking about the life of David, and I, I will tell you, I just connect with David on many levels of his story. Uh, one of the things I love about David is David always wanted to make God the very center of his life. I mean, that was his goal. He, he just yearned to have God right at the center. Uh, but he, he, he failed many times. Uh, is there anybody here in the room besides me that, I mean, just you, you really want to have God at the very center of your life, uh, but you find yourself waking up, and man, he's not in the center. He's over here, maybe not even existing. Anybody, anybody ever ha have had that experience? I mean, oh my gosh, and that's David, and I can so relate to that. I mean, David's life is a story of incredible highs and incredible lows. I wonder if there's anybody here who can hear my voice. You would say, yeah, I look at my life, there's been some incredible highs, but man, there's been some incredible lows. Uh, that's David. And this story of David is pretty amazing. He starts out over here in 1 Samuel. This is where I'm going to start. Just kind of, get, kind of give you a little setup. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, David is just a little shepherd boy. He starts out as a shepherd. Uh, he, he's the eighth of eight kids. He's the youngest. He's the baby. Uh, we all know what happens to those kids. They're just kind of overlooked, right? I mean, they're just kind of, they just figure it out on your own, right? Uh, oh, we weren't expecting you. <laughs> you arrived anyway, whatever. And so that's kind of David, right? And um, something happens here that changes his life in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel. We're moving towards 1 Chronicles 29. That the king, Saul, had lost favor with God. The king over Israel, first king. And so God then decides that he needs to find a new king. And he sends out Samuel here. Hey, I want you to go out and scan the countryside. And when you find the right guy, I'll let you know. And so off he goes. And Samuel goes out and he, and he sees this guy named Jesse. You'll see that if you're there in 1 Samuel 16. And he says, Jesse, I, I want you to consecrate. You come to consecrate yourself. And that's, that's exactly the word he uses there in verse 5 of 16. Samuel, uh, to, to Jesse, consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. And so Jesse consecrated all of his sons. And so then Samuel begins to interview each of his sons. And he gets down to the seventh one and he's finished. And he says, you know, God didn't identify any of them to be the next king. He says, do you have any more kids? He says, yeah, I got one more. Uh, where is he? Well, he's out in the fields. He's taking care of the sheep. Well, go get him because I'm not leaving until I've seen all your kids. And so David comes in and he looks at him and God just says, yep, that's the one. And it's amazing right here in Scripture, right here in verse, uh, verse 12, he says, now, Samuel, I want you to rise up and anoint David. This is the one. And David here, in this text, he experiences the touch of God upon his life. The grace, the goodness of God touches him. That's what anointing is. It's a touch. Please hear this. 
If you don't get anything else, anything this morning, I want you to hear this. When you experience the touch of God upon your life, God's grace, God's goodness, the God's love, when you experience that touch and it messes you up, <laughs> it's going to change your family legacy. It can change the whole course and direction of your life. And one person, one person in a family, it only takes one to submit themselves to that touch. And the history of your family can totally be changed for the good. And that's kind of what happens here to David. He experienced the anointing, the touch of God's grace upon his life. And whoa, does his life take off in an incredible different direction. Now, you think, some of you, that it happens like the snap of a finger. It really wasn't the snap of a finger because you turn over to the next chapter in chapter 17. Uh, David's back out in the fields being a shepherd again. <laughs> I mean, God touches you, you just go back to work. So David gets touched, he goes back to work doing the fifth grader job of tending the sheep. So he's out there tending the sheep. And then his dad calls him in, the, in his chapter and says, hey, David, I want you to take these 10 cheese sandwiches to your brothers. They're fighting a battle against the Philistines. And I want you to take the 10 cheese sandwiches and go feed them and check on them, make sure they're doing okay. Come back and give me a report. So David says, yes, Dad, I'll do it. So he gets the 10 cheese sandwiches. He goes to the battlefront, and there they are, his brothers, and they're all with others fighting the Philistines, and they're trembling in fear, the Scriptures say. They're so afraid. They're just overwhelmed with fear, paralyzed. Ever been paralyzed in fear? Ever been in a time in your life where you're so overwhelmed, you're just stuck, that you think this is so big in your life that there's no way you can or will overcome it? I've been there. David shows up, that's where they are. And David's kind of offended by his brothers, what's going on, because there's a guy named Goliath there, and Goliath is speaking bad about God. And David says, hey, I've experienced the goodness of God and the touch of God upon my life. I know how good God is. Are y'all just going to let Goliath get away with talking that way about our God? And they're just scared to death. And David said, well, that's not okay. I'm going to do something about it. And so, David, you know the story. Some of you, if you've never read the story, I encourage you, family, go home, take your kids, sit down, and just kind of read and tell them 1 Samuel 16, 17, and 18. It's an incredible, it is not just a children's story. It's an incredible story. And so instead of putting on armor and sword, he just goes and gets his little tools for being a shepherd. And guess what God does? He takes the tools that you have, he equips you with which what you have, very basic, simple things, and God transforms them, and he used that little sling and that little rock, and boom, knocked old Goliath down to the pounding ground, and boom, it was done. Disaster averted. Uh, the touch of God upon his life, and he said, oh, send me. And it's amazing. The next chapter, chapter 18, uh, pretty soon, people are hearing about this young kid growing up. In fact, it says over here in chapter 18, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has tens of thousands. And David is on this trajectory of just growing in influence and leadership. He's just ascending to these great heights. So we get over here to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 
And, and David is kind of looking back upon his life. And he says, you know what, God? Whoa, you've done some amazing things in my life. I just cannot believe, God, the journey of my existence. And God, there's something I want to do for you to tell you thank you. God, I want to do this more than anything. Uh, I'm not, I, I, please, God, I want to ask you a question. Please let me build a worship place so people can come and worship you. And God says, uh, no. Not now. Ever been there? Ever been in a situation in your life where you go to God and you say, hey, God, God, I really believe I'm supposed to do this. This is supposed to happen in my life. I'm supposed to get that promotion. I'm supposed to get that job. I'm supposed to move to that town. I'm supposed to marry that girl or that guy, right? I'm supposed to now have kids, my own biological kids. I'm supposed to have this. And you go, you go, God, 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 God. And God says, uh, not now. And when God says, no, not now, oh, how do, how do you respond to that? How do you deal with that? Do you just get all mad up and up in arms and say, I'll prove you, God. I'll go make it happen anyway. You don't know what you're talking about. Right. Or do you get, get all mad and sulk and kind of fold your hands up and say, oh, God doesn't love me anymore. God doesn't care about me. Where are you, God? Where are you, God? All very normal human emotions and feelings. This is not for judgment and condemnation. I mean, we are human beings. We are frail, broken people, and our well, people of feeling and emotion. That's just natural sort of responses. But is that a healthy response in the long run? Do you think that God would ever say you no, know, tell you no, other than because God loves you, and God says, you know, not now. It's not just the best. And God sees and knows what you and I can't even imagine to know. And so God tells David. No, not now. And I think it's fascinating how David responds. He doesn't sulk. He doesn't go back to the palace and close the door and say, <laughs> here's what he does. He says, God, okay, since I can't build the worship space, can I be the leader of the fundraising campaign to build it? Who does that? No one. You take your kids to school, right? And someone says, we need some parent to lead the candy campaign for our class so we can buy. And all the hands go, no. <laughs> Nobody wants to be in charge of the fundraising campaign. It's just a thankless, dirty, that no one likes that person, right, who's always coming to run. I mean, you just run from people like that. And David said, it's got to be done. Would you let me do it? And I think, you know, I, I, it blows my mind that David would be there. I think, how did David get to that position where he asked God to do something, God, and God says no, but he's still okay with it? And here's what I think is going on with David. I think David is looking back upon his life. He's looking back from where he came from, and he's going, uh, I started out as a shepherd. I was just a shepherd. And now, whew, 
my life has turned out far better <laughs> than I deserve or ever expected. I just, I just can't believe it. I mean, look at David's story. Look how he started. Where he influenced over so many people. He took Exodus. A chapter of Exodus, he took the Israel people. They were in Exodus, right? They were slaves. They were in bondage. They were a nobody. Beaten down, oppressed. And God led them out. And at this time, now this is the most prosperous nation, Jerusalem, Israel, influence over the whole world. And God had done it all. Have you ever been to a time in your life where you're able to stop and you look back upon your life and you go, oh, oh, oh. holy God. <laughs> holy God. God's grace. God, God. I, think Dan, I think David is looking out the window and go, oh, I can't believe all that God has done in my life. I cannot believe it. I, did, I wasn't good enough. I, I, I didn't deserve all my failures, all my weaknesses. All the time I got him out of line and did all this crazy, stupid stuff. And yet still, God was with me. And I just, whew. I'll tell you, I've had that happen so many times in my life. Um, this is several years ago. I found myself in a restaurant with a bunch of guys. And uh, we're going out to celebrate a big thing that's happened in somebody's life. And, and you know, everybody always wants to pay for the quote unquote pastor's meal, you know. And as a, after a while you just kind of get tired always being the one that everybody's paying for. You want to be the one who's doing the pay and doing the thanking. And so this is one of those occasions. And I said, hey guys, the meal's on me. They said, really? Yep, I just man, I just want to celebrate this occasion. So we go out to eat and everything. It's not a, that fancy of a restaurant, at least I didn't think. And then one of these guys orders a bottle of wine. Now I don't know much about wine. You know, I really don't. I know very little about wine. But I do know uh, when it has a penguin on it, <laughs> I, so I, there was no penguin on this one. And so I said, this, so I, I Googled and found out this bottle of wine is in excess of $600. And I'm going, oh, no. <laughs> My wife gives me an allowance still. <laughs> I've got to go home and tell her. She's the bookkeeper. She pays all the bills. She knows where everything is. She, I, I've got to go home and tell her this. And they're ordering the food. And the food's coming. I'm going, oh, no. And sure enough, the bill comes. I look at it. I'm going, oh. And the, it says paid in full. There's a note on it. It says, hey, pastor. Just wanted to say thank you. Been a blessing to my family. They were in the restaurant. I didn't know it. I said, "That's the gospel. <laughs> That's the gospel." I didn't ask for it. I couldn't pay for it. Nothing I could do about it but receive it as a gift. That's the good news of the touch of God's love upon your life through Jesus Christ. All you can do is receive it as a gift. God loves you that much, and there's nothing you can do but accept his forgiveness and his goodness and his touch upon your life. It's amazing. Uh, Friday morning, I found myself in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, with Jeff, one of the other pastors on staff, and, and we're there teaching some other pastors, sharing with them uh, some of the information on how you came from a little 
40-member church on two acres to a church with five worship times and multiple people on multiple acres. They wanted to know, how did that happen? So with their teaching and training, doing all this conversation, and in the middle of all this, it dawned on me, hey, there are people in this room that are a lot older than me, been doing this a lot longer than me, smarter than me, more faithful to God, not gotten off the beaten path as many times as I have. I know that for a fact. Love God, love church, know this book a lot better than me, a lot smarter than I am when it comes to this book. I know that for a fact. And yet somehow, every pastor in that room had been pastor of a little church that had never, they just struggled all the time. Never experienced these kids like we just experienced. People being baptized, which you're about to experience. And I just thought, that's just God's grace. That's just God's favor. Church, I don't know why, but you need to know, for some reason, the favor and the touch of God is upon this church, and God is changing lives through this body. And it's all God. It's not you and me. It's God. And I think that's where David is. He looks back. He's going, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Because I'm just so grateful. And then he gets to the business of 1 Chronicles 29. I'm going to walk through this quickly. Then King David said to the whole assembly, my son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, he is young, but he is inexperienced. He's inexperienced to lead his building campaign. He's going to build it, but not the campaign. The task is great because this structure is not for man, but it's for the Lord God. I will tell some of you who called this your church home for a while. Back in 2007, we had a similar conversation. We didn't have the neighborhood where the kids are now, your small kids. We didn't have the crossing. It did not exist. That was a parking lot. And we came before you and said from your session, hey, listen, uh, we feel like we're going to build a 2,000-seat worship center, this big thing for the children, and connect all the buildings. We eventually called it the crossing. And God, to us, uh, it, it didn't happen. It did not happen. Some will say it was the recession. In part, it probably was. It came in 2007, 2008. Uh, some will say it was too big. It probably was pretty big. Maybe too much at once. But here's what I believe. I believe it was God saying, not now. You're too inexperienced. The church is not ready for the responsibility of so many one mores. You're not ready. But with all my heart, what does it say? What does it say over here? What does it say? Now. Now. We're ready. We're ready. David goes on. The task is great because its palatial structure is not for man. With all my resources, I provided for the temple of my God. And then he lists his resources with all of my resources, and he's taking inventory. Hey, this is all that I have here, but what he's saying is it's not really mine. He's saying, I've learned my lesson. 
from when I counted all the soldiers, right? We read this last week. I counted all the soldiers. I'm going to brag about my military. Hey, no bragging here. God, I look back and I say, all I have, it came from you. I make it available to you. And then down in verse 3, he says, because God, besides in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasury of gold and silver for the temple of my God over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. And the key thing there is I give my personal treasure over and above. He's saying, I've been tithing, I've been doing that, but now I'm going to do over and above for this worship space. And this is what we're asking if you call this your church home, asking you to consider over and above for this thing that God is doing here. You would pray this through. Uh, I will tell you, when we started this message series, I already had written down my number. Uh, my number, uh, just to kind of, you can't read this, but this is the card I've been carrying around with a million and one, a million and one. I've been carrying this in, in my Bible, praying over it, and the number I wrote down is a composite of this number with just ones and zeros. Uh, my wife has not yet seen the number. She's in worship right now. She's not yet seen the number I've written down. I'm giving her time to work to understand where she is in her own number. Then we'll come together. Uh, but I will tell you, this, this, the number I have written down, uh, it is the largest thing I have ever done in my life. We have ever, will have ever done in our life. Because this thing here is one of the biggest things I've ever been a part of in my life. I know as leader, I've got to already be there. I'm there, ready to go. And David says, okay, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. And we're going to help you figure it out yourself. And then he turns to his leaders. And down there in verse 5, he turns to the leaders of Israel. Hey, David say, here's what I'm doing. I'm working on this. Here's what I got. But you, now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? He asked him. Hey, leaders, leaders of Israel, who will consecrate themselves? Now, that word consecrate is an interesting word. Uh, this is the first thing in your message notes. That word consecrate has several meanings. Uh, here it means to be holy or sacred or filled for God's purpose. Here's what he's saying. People of Israel who are leaders over Israel, will you consecrate, set aside as holy, sacred, everything you have as belonging to God for the use of the building of his temple? Will you do that? That's what he's saying. Will you consecrate yourselves? In your notes number two, this is kind of an application, I think, for us, I would say. Jesus' followers, who are 100% devoted to Jesus, consecrate themselves daily by surrender, listen, and obey. Hey, it's a little gift to you right now. It's a little gift. I don't care in any area of your life. You've got decisions to make in your life about different stuff. Having kids, getting married, moving. Here's how you do it. You consecrate yourself. You open up this book. And before you open it up, you say, God, I surrender to your truth, to your love, to your grace. I surrender to your authority. You are Lord over my life. I surrender. And now I'm going to listen. Too many of us talk too much when we talk to God. I'm just going to listen. And then I'm going to obey because I trust what God says for my life is true. That's consecration. Surrender, listen, and obey. Pathway church leaders, elders and deacons, staff, small group leaders of adults, children, and youth, 
guest service leaders, anyone in this body who is a leader, will you consecrate yourselves this week? Will you do it? Setting aside all that you have as being belonging, holy, and sacred so that there'll be a million and one at least aha moments as the future goes forward. So that you can have a joy-filled experience of sacrificial generosity that will leave a legacy for generations to come. So that now and forever in our Pathway Church family, there will always be enough love and grace for one more. Always be room for one more. That is the ask. Leaders, it's the ask. And that's what David does, but then he expands it to the whole body. You know, oh, I think he does. I love it. Down in verses 6 and 7 and 8, he kind of shares with everyone, hey, here's what the leaders have done. Here's what they've done. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what y'all have done. And then in verse 9 it says, then the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. What if I told you that we have not yet even asked for anyone to give? We have not. We have not even asked yet for anybody to make a commitment. We have not. But what if I told you, and I am telling you, that just in the past few days, we've received three gifts and one commitment for three years that totals up just under $1.5 million for households. What would be your response? And the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they gave freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord, because God has been good to us. And then David just started praying. Oh, David, God, I want to praise you, God. You were so good. You were the head of this church. You were the head of Israel, God, from everlasting to everlasting. Your Lord of the greatness and the power. Uh, it's about your glory, God, your majesty, your splendor. Everything in heaven and earth, God, belongs to you. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You're exalted. You are head over everything. You are head over this church, God. Wealth and honor, it all comes from you. You're the ruler over all things, he prays. In your hands, God, are strength. In your hands are power to exalt and give strength to everyone. And now, our God, we just give you thanks and praise your glorious name. And then he goes on, but God, who am I? And who are we, my people? That we should be able to give as generously as this because everything comes from you, God. Uh, we have only given you what comes from your hand. We're foreigners. We're strangers in your sight. We don't even belong on the earth. It's yours. Um, but we're here, just like our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow. Uh, they're without hope. But Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from you. It all belongs to you. Then verse 17, we're going to put it on the screen. I know, my God, that you test the heart. You are pleased with integrity. All these things, God, I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willing your people who are here have given to you. God, I know you see the heart. God, I know you see the heart of every person who can hear my voice, True Earth Sanctuary, online, who call this their church home online. 
who lived far away in Florida, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Philadelphia, L.A., even those that right now are in Spain and other parts of the world, who call this your church home. God sees and knows your heart. That's what the Scripture says. And you know, some of you are excited and you're joy-filled, and some of you are worried. You're feeling the pressure. You're feeling the nervous. You're feeling the anxiety. You're feeling, how do I get there? I want to, but I'm not sure if I can. Ah, you're feeling, you're feeling all this stuff. Please hear this if this is you. If you cannot have a joy-filled experience, don't participate in what we're going to be doing this week. It's okay. God wants you to do nothing out of guilt or pressure or shame or embarrassment. None of that. God has other things to work on you besides this, if that's where you are. Okay? But if, but if you think you're ready for a joyful consecrate, will you consecrate yourselves? He says, will you do that? That's what God is asking. And I'll, I'll see your heart and the intent of your integrity. I'll, I'll know that. And it'll be awesome. Whatever. It's not about the size. It's about the sacrifice and the faith required for the sacrifice. Now, I, I want to walk you through just real quickly how Dallas and I are going to do this this week. This is kind of uh, an outline plan of how to consecrate yourselves. Okay, very five simple things. Very practical. I'm going to do this very quick. And then we're going to see what one more is all about. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to create some space. I want you to create some space where you're going to get quiet and just turn off the phone, turn off the television. In fact, I challenge you, man, we're just so busy. We just go so fast. Uh, in fact, surrender, uh, listen and obey, it's an acronym that means slow. I want to ask you to slow it down this week and create some space to just listen listen for what God would have you do. I mean that. Preferably without three and four-year-olds hanging around your neck <laughs> or seventh graders begging you for homework help. I'm talking alone with God. If you don't, you're going to miss whole experience. 30 minutes, I'm going to ask. 30 minutes a day. See what God does. 30 minutes a day. I'm going to push you on it. 30 minutes. Secondly, get practical. Get practical. Right, this will happen in our household. In fact, it's already happening. Uh, my wife and I are very totally different. Uh, I would give our house away if, if it was needed. Uh, she keeps me from being homeless, okay? Uh, and I'm glad she does that because I don't wake up, oh, what did I just do? I just ruined everything, right? Because my wife keeps me grounded in a very healthy way. And I'm sure some of you are late. There are folks that are, oh, we got, so lay all out. Your tithe, uh, your, your saving, uh, your expenses, all, lay everything out. Just lay that and look at it. And you can ask the question, hey, what can I reasonably do? Hey, what could we do? That's the question. Uh, you need to do that. I think that's smart. You need to do that. Trust that person in the family who has that gift of looking at the reality. That's all. That's, do that. Encourage you to. But don't stop there because the enemy is going to get you to say, okay, here's what we can do. And there's no sacrifice. There's no, and you're going to miss on the spiritual formation because the spiritual formation comes when there's a sense of sacrifice and God is asking us to do something we have to depend upon him to do. 
which gets us to number three, which is the cost. Manner, measure the cost. Get, a, get to a cost level where you know, okay, this is going to, how can we reprioritize stuff? It's going to cost, I got to sacrifice this or sacrifice that. Here's how we're going to get to there. So you just kind of figure out whatever that is to make sure, hey, I, I will show you a cost. Uh, last weekend at True Worth, remember I told you this, this $1 bill? This is the $1 bill at the end of True Worth uh, one of our worshipers gave uh, to now one more, and it was the only money they had in their pocket. I'll let you go there. David said in 1 Samuel 24, remember 24, 24 last week, he said, hey, listen, I'm not going to make any offering, burnt offering to my God that didn't cost me something. So you measure the cost. And here's the fourth one, which I think is so important, a legacy vision. You got to stop again. Okay, what's the legacy vision of a million and one of Haas, of reclaiming this ark for the 600 plus students that are down this hallway uh, that are going to grow up? They actually do that. You know, they grow up and they're going to take over this space and actually just overflow having their worship in the ark one day. There's going to be so many of them. And then we're going to be over this worship. You got to back up and picture the legacy. Here's how I'm doing that. Uh, we got any men in the house or online or whatever that like a. Uh, like sports memorabilia, you got sports memorabilia, all got all sorts of. And man, you can spend a lot of money on sports memorabilia, and I, I spent money on sports memorabilia and giving them as gifts to our sons because all three of our sons are really into sports. And my wife is good about finding those. But this is the most valuable uh, sports memorabilia I have in my house. It represents it because each one of these are footballs that each of my son uh, when they played football for BHS, and there's signatures over these footballs of the kids who played with them. Some of you spend a lot of money on getting signatures. Some of you spend a lot of money on your kids playing club sports. You have traveled. You have paid coaches. You have had practices out the gazoo. Thousands of dollars. You name the curricular activity. You name it. Every one of these names on these footballs you're sitting on them if you're on the ark because these names I wrote down on the slab of this building before it ever was erected. Because they were friends of my kids before they ever played football together. And when I read some of these names, I'm not going to do it because there's some in the room right here. There are stories of faith that reminds me what God can do. Some have died when we had their funeral in this place. We have some who've served on our session. We have some who've been married and I've baptized their kids. This is the legacy. And on each one of these, when we built this building, I wrote my son, Justin plus question mark, Jacob plus question mark, James plus question mark. In other words, who are they going to marry? Praying that God will provide a godly woman into the life. That's happened to all three. But one of them lives right here in Burleson. His name is Jacob. He grew up in this church. He was born here. And now he's a teacher. He married a Jesus follower. 
and they both are impacting so many students for Christ that I will never even imagine. And this is who they are right here, uh, Jacob and Summer. And he would not be where he is without this church and his wife. And then out of the blue, they have this little baby. And one day, she'll be married in this church just like her mommy and daddy were. She'll profess her faith in this church just like her mommy and daddy did. And man, I'm keeping that in my mind. She'll be in this youth room. And it all started because of a legacy just a step beyond that who are part of this church. And uh, can you show that next photo right there? That's my mom and dad who raised us in a home where Jesus was Lord. Me and three sisters. He'll turn 90 uh, next spring. My mother just had a birthday. Uh, it's in the 80s. I'll leave it at that. I got a legacy going backwards and a legacy going forwards. I want to ask you, what is your legacy? That God is going to work in your family, with your children, with your marriage, your relationships. You've got to get that picture in your head. And here's the last thing. Then you got to obey. You just got to obey. Here's the last. I mean, you just got to obey. Boldly obey. I mean, there's two words here to that word obey. It means to listen and then respond. There are a lot of folks who listen and get a nudge and they don't do anything about it. So I'll make this very practical, very, very quickly, very practical. And uh, we're good here on time. Just don't worry about it. This is too important. This chair right here is going to be like one of the chairs in our new worship space. It's going to cost $150. $150. Just think of one person. Uh, don't think seven half million. Think one chair. Think $150. And think of a person to be sitting in this chair. I've heard, of a, I've heard of a high school kid that says, uh, Pastor, I'm going to try to do $1,000 over three years. That's a pretty big deal for a high school kid. Will you agree? $1,000 over three years, that's a lot. But just think about that. That's seven chairs. High school kids, I want you to think of seven friends whose families are messed up. It's not about the money. It's about the person in the chair. You've got to think. It's about the person in the chair. The one more. It's about a human being. It's about a life. Who is that? One chair. Get very practical. Make it real for you. What is your legacy? Here's what we're going to do. If you call this your church home, real quickly, we are handing out these envelopes. Can we do that right now? We're handing out pledge cards to everyone here who calls this church home. Everyone can get one. You don't have to do anything with it. If you don't want to be, if you're not feeling joy-filled about this thing, you don't have to. But if you do, we're going to hand these out right now. You're going to take them home with you. You're all going to get an envelope that looks like this, okay? It looks like this. And in this envelope is a pledge card. And you're going to take it out here in a second. You're going to look at it. Same way at True Worth. Uh, same way in the Worship Center online. You can download it. You can find it at our website. And I want to remind you, here's what it's going to look like. We've had a couple of views here. Here's the worship space on the inside. Kind of get a picture in your head for when you go walk out there and you see the prayer thing. You kind of picture this image in your head. Then also you have the tables set up uh, with tables. I'll give you an idea for, for conferences for people who don't even know if they believe in God. An opportunity and a place and a chance to come. And there's going to be a cross there and say, oh, this is a church. Whoa, what's it about? And they're going to come back and discover the anointing and touch of God upon their life. But 
You get this. Look at it. I want to show, walk you through it really quickly, and then we're going to have some one mores. Uh, this is a historical day in the life of your church. You're getting ready to see why. So you will see if you open this up and you look at it, uh, there's a one, two, and a three. And here's an option for you if you want to. Number one, you can next week, if you want to, bring a one-time cash gift. Somebody brought $500 yesterday and did that to the prayer thing. It was 501. Put a one out there. It's about the one. So I would ask you to do that. Or then you can make a commitment to give over the next three years. And you can do it weekly, monthly, annually, uh, and just kind of, or in, in a different sort of way. And you can kind of write that down out there. So this is how much I'm going to do in a week, per month, per annual. But the bottom line is, number three is a total. The total of a cash gift, if you feel so moved, and what your three-year-old pledge will be. You'll write that down in that amount. That's the total amount we'll use when we go to the bankers and go forward and talk to people. And then just any information you can, you can give us to make sure we connect it with really who you are. Uh, and then on the back of this, you'll see for those who struggle with math, here's just a little table to kind of help you with this. Okay. So you'll br take this home with you. You'll have it in this envelope. You'll bring it back next week. You're going to go through this consecration process, and we're going to have a time at the end of worship, and we're going to celebrate and see what God does. Now, here's where the rubber hits the road. I want to invite Charles Fowler to come forward. Charles Fowler is from True Worth. Come on down, Charles. Charles is from one of our True Worth brothers who came to, to know Christ down downtown. I want you to invite Kyle and Jessica Kirkland to come forward. Kyle and Jessica presenting their son Cooper uh, for baptism. There they come. I want to invite uh, the Eric Thomas to come forward uh, and his fiancee Kelsey to come forward. Uh, they are uh, have, they have kids. They're preparing to be married. They're both going to be baptized before they get married and blend their families together. So they're coming forward. Come on up here. Uh -huh. And then we got Cameron, Denny, coming on up here. He's going to be professed and immersed after worship after a while. And then we have uh, the Abners, uh, Chloe, who's going to be immersed after uh, 1150 worship and uh, the family with Malachi. Y'all can all come up to the Abners. Y'all come on up here too. I want somebody to come up here and stand with Charles. Charles, come on. Where's your spot right here? Charles, you're down here, buddy. I got you right down here. I'm going to walk you down here. All right, you're down here, okay? Somebody come stand with Charles. Come on. Somebody come stand. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I want somebody to stand with each of these families. Can somebody do that? Okay. Are you by yourself? Yeah, come on up here. Yeah. We have decisions being made that are life-changing, family and friends. We worship together. We grow together. We serve together. Uh, this is real stuff. This is the evidence of true worth of the ministry that's done by simulcast. And servants go down there and they build relationships and then they come here and they go, hey, this church has been so good to me and God has been so good to me. And then we have couples who are about to be married who say, you know what, I want to do this God's way this time. And uh, we're going to be baptized and then we're going to get married and do it God's plan and raise our kids up there. And then we got some 
parents who have their kids here and uh, just guided them to this point in life, and it's a big decision. And then it's time for the same, for one being baptized and for one being dedicated. And Church, this is big. This is important stuff. I want you to ask you to pause and kind of breathe and just allow the Spirit of God to move among all of us here as we witness the touch, again, of God's grace and goodness. So, uh, to help me, uh, all those who are professing their faith in Christ, would you, for the first time, would you raise your hand? Kind of for the first time, raising your hand. One, two, first time, three. We have one right here. Four, right? Okay. I'm going to ask you some questions. And for all of you who are reaffirming your faith, I'm asking you the same questions, kind of reaffirming, okay? It's kind of reaffirmation. Here's the question. Do you repent of your sin and accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and the Savior of your life? Do you do that? Here's the next question. Will you make the Bible a center point of your daily existence where you just open the Bible, it's just like opening the cupboard to get something to eat. The Bible just falls open to, because like you're hungry, you just open it up because you're hungry for something that only God can give you. And you'll read that book for guidance and counsel and surrender to it when you do that. Here's another question. This is kind of hard for young people to understand. It's hard for adults to understand. But God gives you spiritual gifts. And he gives them to you because God has a purpose for your life. And sometimes it takes a while to figure that out. You kind of, it takes a while. But will you, with the help of people around you in your church, you try to discover what those gifts are and say, God, I consecrate them to you to use them so you will use me to make a difference in a world that just needs a lot of help. And so that's the third question. Will you do that? Will you do that? Okay. If you're being baptized out on the lawn afterwards, I want you to kneel right now. I want you to kneel. If you're being baptized out on the lawn afterwards, I want you to kneel. Okay? Someone's being, you're being, who's being baptized right now? Okay, all right. Let's have a prayer of blessing over these that are kneeling and uh, over these that will be baptized or, or that are from their faith. God, uh, place your hands upon them, please. Even all, all these adults who are reaffirming their faith and those that... Young people, just, God, we place hands upon them as a symbol of your anointing, of your grace, your mercy, and your forgiveness, and your goodness. We thank you for these families and friends who stand around them, who bear testimony to the new thing that you're doing in their life. And God, it's a new beginning. It's just the beginning of, of them. And they are the one mores, God. They are very clearly the one mores. We pray, God, as they go into the waters, they will experience your goodness and grace in a way they never had before. Okay, Eric, you're going to be baptized, correct? Who's going to hold the water? Okay, I mean, hmm? you're going to be, who, who's, being, who's going to be poured? Someone who's experiencing pouring. And I thought there was someone going to be poured. No one here in this group is going to be poured? Oh, okay, all right. Then we're good. I'm going to let that be. Okay, who has a child being dedicated? Okay, all right. This is the fun part. question to ask uh, this is a very important question I'm going to ask you to really dial in this is not a cute little ceremony 
promise to raise them in a home where Jesus is Savior and Lord over your lives and over your family's life. Will you do that? Will you promise to read the Bible so often that one day he's going to say, hey, what are, you, what are you doing in that book? And you're going to say, we just love God's Word. <laughs> and we just, we just love God's Word. And he'll grow to love it too because you love it. I'm asking you, please, please don't say yes unless you really will you do that. And will you bring them to this place called Pathway as often as you can? And I, I'm going to, your first name, remind me. Kyle, Kyle, I want to say Kyle, man to man. Rick, this is Rick and Kyle. Uh, this is your job. This is a part of your job. Say, hey, family, we're going to church. Kids, we're going to church. Honey, I got you back on this. I'll help you. Uh, we're going. Uh, will you? Will you? Will you? You will do this. Full Christian name. Cooper Wayne Kirkland. Cooper Wayne Kirkland, we dedicate you to the Lord. Uh, for God's purpose, for God's plan, uh, for the world can't have him, the evil one can't touch him, God. He belongs to you. Praying, God, that in your due time, he will come like these other young people and these other adults, and he will kneel, and he will say, Jesus is my Savior and Lord. And when that happens, we'll say, thanks be to you. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Can we clap and celebrate, church? Oh, God. Can you all stand up? Can you all stand up? Can everybody stand? And together, all of us together, can we pray the prayer? I mean, this is what it's all about. Daily now prayer. God grant us a joy-filled experience of sacrificial generosity that will leave a legacy for generations to come so that now and forever in our Pathway Church family, there is always enough love and grace for one more. In Jesus' name, have a great week. Y'all talk and get to know each other. We're going to do Oh, hold it, hold it, hold it. I knew I was missing something. Malachi, stay right there. Come here, buddy. Can I, pa Pastor Rick, hold you? Hit the music again. <laughs> I am so sorry, Malachi. There's one more. And there's always enough room and enough time for one more. So let me ask both of you. Uh, again, this, I don't want we can't just gloss over. Will you promise to raise Malachi in a home with Jesus at the center of everything for you to do that? Will you promise to have that book open so much he'll be asking you why? And y'all are already serving. You're already doing it right. But I gotta ask you anyway. Do you promise to bring him here and to let him watch you and see others so here in this faith community, he have other examples besides you of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Will you do that? Full Christian name? Malachi John Abner. We dedicate and set you apart for the Lord. You're a child of God now and forever. And may you come to know Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. His name we pray. Amen and amen. Now you can clap like you never clapped before. Hold oh, oh, hold it. And there's more. And there's more. Baptized. Who's gonna hold the water? 
Hit the music, Andrew. One more. I need someone to hold his water. Okay, I need you to kneel. Okay, I need hands laid upon her. Full Christian name. Lauren Ann Shringost. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit in the name of the one more. We give you thanks, God, for what you continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Are there any more? Is there anyone else? Have a great week. Go out there and play and get to know each other. See you, everybody.